Welcome to the Kestrel Country Podcast, where we discuss the people, places, and events all around Kestrel Country. Hello and welcome to a midweek edition of the Kestrel Country Podcast. We are Mike and Catherine Church. Hello, hello. And um, we're bringing you an episode today a little early, but we had a great conversation today with the mayor of Moscow. Moscow's mayor is Bill Lambert, and he was kind enough to sit down with us today amidst his busy, busy schedule right now, especially dealing with coronavirus. Yeah, so we talked um, everything from COVID-19 and what the what that means for the city of Moscow, for the local area, as well as just local politics, um, some of um, uh, Mayor Lambert's background, how he got into local politics, what he did before. Um, really interesting, um, great guy to talk to and, and uh, fun conversation. So hope you enjoy our talk with Moscow Mayor Bill Lambert. get started so that we can uh, get you on your busy way okay. here. So Mr. Mayor, thank you very much for joining us. Really appreciate it. And um, just to get started, I guess, tell us a little bit about your background. So how long have you been in Moscow? Uh, what's your history before you became mayor? Okay. How long have you been mayor? That kind of thing. Well, this is kind of interesting. I came here in 1977. So oh, wow. it's been 43 years wow. uh, here in Moscow. And my late wife uh, at that time, uh, we had one son. And we came here because as a director, a store manager for Safeway, oh. where the co-op is right now at that time. Oh, yeah. And so I came uh, here from the corporate world, and uh, my wife, my late wife, says to me, oh, my God, and she had no idea, never been in Moscow before, and actually neither had I. And she said, why in the world are we going to live there, blah, blah, blah. And I said, well, we're going to live there because... Uh, this is where my job's taking me. And I said, honey, it's only going to be like two years, <laughs> three years, maybe four years tops. Yeah. And then I'll move on. Well, I had a chance and an opportunity. So long story short, my, my oldest son was uh, not quite two when we moved here. And then uh, we had another son here in 1979, was soon to be 41. The kind of an interesting thing is after being here for three years, I had a chance to go up and up in management with the corporation I was in and so my, I said to my wife, honey, we, you know, we've got this opportunity to move. And she says, why in the world would we ever want to move? <laughs> and so long story short, here we are 43 years later. And both my sons live here with their wives and five of my grandchildren. And so I'm very, very blessed by that. Wow. And it has to do with, as my kids uh, started getting going in school, grade school and so on and so forth, uh, junior high at that time which is now the middle school we wanted those kids to be um i didn't i couldn't think of a better place for them to go to school and the, the diversity of this town in this area made it that way and we also you know got the small town feel with all the big town stuff you got college football two yeah. big, you know two colleges here you've got the arts mm -hmm. you've got everything you want so the diversity here is very very neat and we wanted both of our sons to uh, experience that diversity and uh, because a lot of areas do not have diversity like we have here in Moscow. And I think I wanted them to be well-rounded adults as they grew up to be dealing with all kinds of different peoples. Mm -hmm. And so for me, 
That was a big thing. And so uh, that's my story of how I got here. Now, how I got into city government, kind of, that's a little bit of another story. Uh, back in 2000, the mayor at that time was a guy by the name of Marshall Comstock, who was a friend of, his, of mine. Uh, interestingly, um, my youngest son and his oldest son were best friends, and they went through from kindergarten and all the way through high school together, mm-hmm. and they lived about two blocks from us. And uh, so Marshall, he uh, went into the political thing with it in between his work and became a, he was a council person, which I very much supported. And he went ran for mayor, which I very much supported at that time as well. <clears throat> and he suggested to me that I get involved in local politics and actually wanted me to run for a council. I said, geez, why would I, why in the world would I want to do that? Well, <laughs> so, so eventually I, uh, applied for the planning and zoning commission was mm-hmm. in, and I was on planning and zoning for five years. And then I decided to make a run at city council. And, uh, I'll never forget this. My late wife says, Oh my God, you gotta be nuts. Why in the world are you doing this? And, and I said, well, I felt like somebody had to step into up in the community. Mm-hmm. And at that time I'd been here, you know, I guess I not quite 30 years, but I felt like, geez, you know, you've got to get involved with this sort of thing and and going backwards a little bit back into the planning and zoning days i knew nothing about local government i knew nothing about how it functioned how it worked it was because i was in the business world my entire career long story short um then i got elected as a council as a council president for two of those four years i served and then uh, i did not run for re-election because my late wife was battling cancer and i knew Mm -hmm. i was going to go through the, the pain of losing her and I knew she needed me more than anything however I was on the board of adjustments for four years at that time mm. and uh, so and I and I chaired that board for two of those four years and, and that I, was back in around two, 2000 to 2000 well let's see two, I gotta think about this for a minute so I got all the dates correct 2001 to 2000 through 2005 was okay. when I was on PNZ I got elected in 2005 did the council thing from 2000 started 2006 through 2009. Okay. And then I went on the board of adjustments from then until 2013 when I ran for mayor and won that. And so now I'm in my second term as being the mayor. So at the end of this term, uh, which is in 21, I'll actually have 20 years involved in the city government here one way or the other. And, and and that's, uh, you know, and I feel great about doing that and and people need to get involved in their communities. And so to me, it was a big deal uh, to be able to do that. And before I ever did anything in city government, I was on a local United way board here for eight years. I was in, involved in the Moscow Baseball Association for nine years. So I had mm-hmm. been doing different things throughout um, my years here in Moscow. Anyway, so I just felt like if you're going to be part of the community, part of the unit, you had to be, you had to give all out. So that's that's why I did yeah. what I did. What was, were there, when you maybe initially joined PNC or getting on the, the council, um, you said you had no history in it. You're coming from the business world. Correct. What was the most, were there a few things that were the most surprising to you getting into it initially? Yes. uh, Government never moves like business does. Hmm. And I had to learn patience (laughs) in a huge way. And it's like, because sometimes it's like watching paint dry to get things done. And that, and even to this day, Mike, that kind of drives me nuts. But you got to, it's a process. The political end in our country is a process. 
messy lot of times. It's the right thing to have, and you know, and we need that, of course. And I think it's the best setup in the world as far as governments go. But man, things sometimes move slow. Mm. So now, with that being said, this new coronavirus thing that we're in, we're seeing governments move fast, like light speed, which really excites me because they're doing a lot of right things. So what things are, you were mentioning before we started that there's a lot of change happening. What kind of things are you dealing with right now? Well, right now, for example, you know, we have uh, social distancing. We do not want people closer than six feet to each other. Mm -hmm. You don't want to be in groups of more than 10 now. That's the new rule. You don't want to have group meetings more than 50 up to yesterday, and they changed that to 10. And so now, as you see, we had a city council meeting last night. And I had three counselors and myself at the DIOS. I had two other counselors called in from the telecom. And we've never done that before. And so we're, we're investigating that. So we may very well be utilizing that these next several months to see how it goes. And also, uh, we've made mention that we do not want people to come to the meetings, which is completely opposite of what we always have had. I've always yeah. wanted lots of people to come, lots of ideas, lots of public comment, and getting people to get a voice out there. Mm-hmm. And they can still have the, do that voice, but it's going to have to be through like email or telephone calls or that type of thing. Something a little different, a paradigm shift from how we've done it in the past. Yeah. 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 In a tight-knit community, I imagine mm-hmm. that that's going to, it's going to cause some upheaval because we're, you know, I, I saw this morning the announcement about Renfair. Um, all of the shutdown through May. And all of that yep. happening. Farmer's and, market. I mean, so that's a lot of shutdown. The hemp one, yes. The Renfair, those two. And the, uh, and we're going to postpone a farmer's market for a week. Mm-hmm. And uh, I put a proclamation in place that the council approved last night that goes through May the 5th mm-hmm. about these very things that we're doing. And uh, we wanted to give it enough time. We felt at least six weeks. Let's go to the first of May, see what we've got. And we're evaluating things daily and weekly, too. So we may have to change things as we go along. Uh, but you got to remember something about this uh, coronavirus. And I've spent two weeks researching this i uh myself and gary greener our city supervisor and one of our counselors art bedke got back last thursday from uh dc mm. where we were at the national league of cities and uh, unsub- you know that and that's a conference where you go all over all kinds of different things in communities and usually you're dealing with infrastructure and mm-hmm. opioids and all kinds of different stuff and this whole theme on this thing was mostly this uh COVID-19 coronavirus, which really we got a chance to listen to some very experts in this thing, really an eye-opener on things. And what we do not want to have happen in this country, and clearly not in our state, is we do not want to have the bell curve on this thing. Because like, if you take a country like Italy, who paid no attention to it for a while, and all of a sudden it took a hold and went with that bell curve straight up, and all of a sudden that state or country is shut down, their cities are shut down, I mean trying to kill this thing we're trying to be proactive on it and if we overreact and i said this at our council meeting last night if we can say in six weeks that we overreacted then we've done our jobs we've done the right yeah, thing absolutely because we got to make our community the sooner we get this thing done and behind us then we can move on but if this thing lingers and get a hold of us we don't know how long it'll go mm-hmm. and so we got to be smart about how we do it and with that of course i've been Sending all kinds of emails, responding to emails, talking to all kinds of different folks from all over the place. People from Pullman, people from out of our town that lives in small cities. And they're looking for Moscow for some leadership on some directions to go as well. And so, uh, which I really like that sort of thing. But it's it's just changed the way we're doing business a little bit. Mm. 
Well, absolutely. I mean, there's this huge push online. It's been interesting to see all the, there's been so many free programs being offered online for people to view or live stream or participate in. But then I know the, and the big push for supporting the local businesses so they can weather yes. the storm of the yes. economy. Yes, because uh, they've asked, uh, you take like the state of Washington, they closed all bars and all restaurants. Now you can, but they're uh, making a plea to make sure that all restaurants that have drive up windows, you know, that they stay open, just shut their dining areas out. And of course, some of our local establishments are, have got a paradigm shift where they're doing different things like call up, we'll have your breakfast or whatever it is you want ready and come and pick up the door. We can, we can meet you out back, you know, in 10 minutes or whatever. Yeah. And those are the types of things that you just need to look at differently. And of course, that's a kind of a temporary basis. This is not going to be a permanent thing, but we know uh, that we got to do these things because if we can flatten this thing out and make it a slope like this and come down, then we will win in the long run when this thing finally yeah. runs out. Are you working with the university? And that was kind of a broader question too, but like on this in particular, um, is this something you're dialoguing with the university about? And, um, or is it, how separate are the university and the city in terms of well, communication, look, that kind of thing? Uh, one of the things I want to say, not only about the university, but our uh, county commissioners, our chamber of commerce, our school district, and us as a city, we're all working together on these things. Each one of us have our own entities that we need to deal with, but the communication flows is very, very open, so everybody knows what everybody else is doing. And that also goes with our friends at Gritman and uh, mm -hmm. Pullman Regional Hospital. These folks have got a wonderful uh, setup in place to take care of things as they go, and it spills right over into... Pullman as well, the things that uh, the mayor over there is doing as well as uh, Washington State University. So we're very much in tune. One of the things I always say to people is, and I told a lady last night, and she was concerned on the national uh, level, and I said, look, it, I'm going to take care of our own nest right here. We've got plenty of things to do. There's lots of stuff we can do here locally uh, to keep our community and our area safe, and every community has got to be able to do that. If every community does that very well, then we're going to come out of this thing farther ahead and much sooner. And so we just have to be that way and be smart about it. Yeah. One of the other things I said too is uh, I know for and as people by nature have a tendency to do this. I know there's been a lot of food hoarding and mm -hmm. stuff that people have been going out and buying a tremendous amount of foods and uh, toilet paper and disinfectants and sprays. And one of the things I said last night was, Buy what you need. You do not need a two-year supply of this stuff. There's a lot of folks out there that live week to week. They need to be able to go into a store and buy mm. tissue yeah. mm -hmm. or cleaner. Yeah. So think about your neighbors. Think about the elderly. Think about your friends. And think about your relatives. And do the right thing. Don't hoard. Mm -hmm. Buy what you need and be reasonable about it. So yeah. common sense. <clears throat> Well, looking past it, you mentioned that <laughs> we do hope that this moves that move this moves through, you know, fairly quickly, and that the curve is flattened. But moving past that, what are some of the things on the horizon for the city? Um, some of the projects that are coming up this summer. Um, can you update us kind of on what the the outlook is for the city of <clears throat> Moscow and some of the projects we have on the? On the well, plate? the city of Moscow is very bright. Of course, we got this big project with MZ going, and uh, mm -hmm. those folks are building quite a establishment, which we're all very excited about because we know eventually that's going to employ 500 people. Mm -hmm. Yeah, 
with the possibility of as they grow in years to come could go as high as a thousand and so that's a big thing for the city of moscow mm-hmm. in our area and that you know that trickle down effect when you have <coughs> pardon me if you have people that are having well-paying jobs it moves the whole needle mm-hmm. you sell real estate <laughs> you sell more groceries, you sell more tires at the tire store, you have more coffee shops, you more yeah. have more restaurants, yeah, you have a bigger farmer's market, and it, it, the uh, exponential multiplier effect with this is great. And so we've got really uh, forward-looking in the future. I see nothing but very bright spots for Moscow as well as the University of Idaho. Yep, we're going through some tough times right now because of the situation. But if we all work together, we'll get through it. And one of the things I told council last night, guess what, everybody? The sun's going to come up in the east. It's going to go down in the west. Today, tomorrow, 100 years from now. And just keep that in mind. So there'll be brighter days as things go along. We just need to work together to make this happen for us. Yeah. Has it slowed down any of the current projects, the A Street project or anything like that? Is well, it the A Street project is still on. <clears throat> some of the things that um, it has slowed down, some of the different, well, you know, the university, uh, with the kids not being here, that's going to have a natural impact on the economy mm-hmm. here and locally because you got less people in here buying things. Um, and also some of the things like the Ren Fair, we talked about that, the Hemp Fest, those types of things that uh, were canceled, you know, those have some effects as well. And I always have liked different festivals, block parties downtown, uh, art walks and things of those nature because I love it for people to get out and, and farmers market. I mean, these are, yeah. those are big things for our community. Yeah. And they will as, as well as once we get through this and get by this thing. And, uh, you know, people are, you know, are urged to stay home. I made a comment last night too. Just for, there was, I grew up in a family. There was four of us boys, four of us boys within five years. I don't know how my mother possibly <laughs> kept her wits about her, but I can remember my dad said, you know, tell the kids, get outside. We're locked the door. Don't, don't let them in unless you see blood. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> so kids could bounce around. We lived on a 20-acre farm, small farm, and we had all kinds of things that we could go out and run around and do. But the whole idea is, you know, kids get pretty rambunctious. They get bouncy. And, and through this whole process, it will be very easy for us to get irritated as, as people. And that's what we got to be a kind of a guard against because we're not used to being cooped up at home. Yeah. No, I think it's, uh, it is that mind shift of what, what can we do with the time while we're being forced into this new parameter, you know, and I think there is a lot you can do a lot you can learn and focus on or just explore outdoors, yeah. <laughs> you know? Well, like if, for example, you know, and, uh, and I'm a gym person, I like to go to the gym. Well, let's say the gym has to close for a few weeks because of this thing. Well, I guess what I'm going to do, I'm going to go walk neighborhoods. Yep. Yep. You still want to do something. Yep. So go out and walk. Yeah. You know, maybe the kids can't, maybe they won't have baseball this spring. Right. You know, so get them involved in something else. Take them out on one of those fields with a soccer ball and let them kick it around or whatever and run around, get, you know, mm-hmm. get them on their bikes, get on the pathways, you know, and move around. We're very fortunate we're in a rural area where it's easy to be outside of town really, really quick and we're not densely populated. I can't imagine you take a city like San Francisco for, you know, this yeah. is affecting 7 million people. Think about that. Yeah. Uh, about five of us states of Idaho in one small area. Yeah. Yeah, God, it's man, looking on the imagine. bright side. Be yeah, true. Man, this is a holy great smoke. spot. <laughs> or you're in Seattle, Washington, and yeah. it's like, boy, the density. And 
Yeah. The Palouse is a great place to live and be and raise a family and all those types of things. And one of the fun things about it, but I think the American spirit uh, is very high right now. You see Americans get together and work through whatever it is they need to work through and get rid of the political baloney and uh, just get things done. That's what we're all about, really. You know, that's the fun thing about being in in local part is, you know, politics is it's, you know, you don't have to declare what you are. In a town like ours, you vote for the person you like the best that gets the job done. Guess what? Everybody knows where you live and everybody knows where they can see you. Yep. Yep. And you can't hide from it. And if you live long enough somewhere, you can't lie about it because everybody in town will know it's not true. And so the fun thing about living in a small community like this is you, you will do what you need to do and you'll do the right thing. Yeah. And if you don't, why somebody else will be doing it for you? So how's that? <laughs> well, so what are what are two? So we want to you know keep this short for you, but also wanted to kind of end on what are some ways for fo- other folks to get involved in local government? You know, you mentioned coming from the business world, getting involved in planning and zoning was really eye opening. What are some ways that local community members? What are some needs in local government, or some things that folks can do to get involved and? Be more involved in local government. Well, you know, we've got a dozen different commissions we, that uh, people can get involved with. Uh, you've got Parks and Rec. You've got a tree commission. You've got um, this, uh, Sustainable Environment Commission, Human Rights Commission, Planning and Zoning Commission, Board of Adjustment Commission, and, and others. I mean, I can go through and name them all. So people can get involved with that sort of thing. Mike and... Uh, when I got in PNZ, like I said earlier, I didn't know know anything about city government, and so that was an eye opener because I learned all about zoning mm-hmm. and how zoning worked. And you know, back in the day, the R one, the R two, the R three, and I had no idea what any of those things meant. And so I found that quite interesting because that was completely away from anything that I ever had done in my professional work life. People can get involved with all kinds of things like that. Uh, if they wish to and there's always openings somewhere on commissions all they have to do is apply there's a sheet of paper that they fill out they even do it online because there's one application it's a one-page thing with all these different commissions and check off if you're interested in being one and they shouldn't be intimidated if they say well i don't know anything about planning and zoning i don't know anything about you know trees well you know i tell you what planning and zoning and there was two people uh, that was very, very instrumental to me. Like I said, I knew nothing about zoning, any of those types of issues. Conditional use permits, so on and so forth. Anyway, uh, um, Nels Reese mm-hmm. and Joel Hamilton, and they had been, I'll call them senior guys on the committee. I mean, some of the, they have served well over 20, a couple of decades doing mm-hmm. this year in and year out. And Nels was an architect professor at the University of Idaho. He's now retired. Those guys took me under the wings, especially Nils, and showed me all kinds of different things. In fact, I spent some time in Nils' office, and he was showing me all kinds of different things. And like uh, duplexes were called uh, townhouses in other areas, or twins, or however you want to say the different words. And he showed me all these different areas, like in New York and back east, and so on and so forth, on architect stuff. And I never really paid attention to that before. And so... You can learn something from anybody if you really want to listen and see what they have to say. And so there's always somebody out there on these commissions that have been there for a while. Don't be afraid to do it. And I've, one of the things I've always liked is uh, to be able to deal with the unknown. Mm. That's scary for most people because they, they struggle stepping out of the box. Mm-hmm. 
because we like our comfort zone. It's very nice. It's like being in bed in the morning. It's nice and warm. You don't have to stick that leg out in the middle of the window. Oh, my God, the floor is kind of cold. You step out of the box and take a new experience. And don't be afraid to be around different people than what you're accustomed to. And just be natural. We're all people. And we make it work. Yeah. Well, very good. I think it's a great well, a way, great way, way to end, end it. Yeah. So, thanks very much for coming in. Thank you for all you do for the city of Moscow. And uh, we look forward to maybe chatting with you in the future once Absolutely. all this stuff once is all the crazy has yep. a little by. more settled. So. Yep. And I'm going to go on to my next uh, coronavirus meeting coming up, folks. So, <laughs> thanks good. for the time. Oh, yep. Thanks Thank so you. much. Bye bye. Thanks for joining us. Like, share, subscribe. We'll see you next week.